Hello everyone and welcome to the show. It's Friday the 5th of June and this is episode 8 of the Kite Podcast 2020 with me, Ben Eagle. And me, Will Evans. Now, 2020 has been quite the year so far for many reasons, but the recent dry weather has to be amongst the headlines. And although some places have had some rain in recent days, overall the picture is still very dry. With this in mind, today we're talking about drought and the potential technical and financial implications of the lack of rain at a farm level. To do this, we are joined by Joss Fawcett, who is a senior consultant with Kite, Edward Lott, who is a partner with Kite, and as always, everyone's favourite dairy market analyst, Chris Walkland. Thanks to everybody for coming on the show today. Yeah, welcome everyone to the show. Chris, we're going to start with you, as always, for your weekly market report and you sent me a you sent me an email yesterday about your song choices or alluding to your song choices for today and i am i am intrigued so let's let's go over to you well i haven't just got the one song choice uh, for this week ah. uh, ben i've actually got an lp on the jukebox and it's from it's actually from your dad's band <laughs> your amazing band uh, Fantastic. I think one of your dad's bands was the first album i ever bought <laughs> uh, so tell him tell him what a great job he's done over the years when this, this <laughs> podcast. So I've got dozens and dozens of uh, of songs this week. Uh see if you can uh, get some of them if not all of them. <laughs> so here goes. Go for it. I thought the markets would take it easy this week but it's still <laughs> life in the fast lane for commodities and further increases have been posted. It's definitely not business as usual for buyers. <laughs> Who think sellers with their prices have lion eyes? <laughs> Cream is well into the one thirties and even into the one forties, say some. Uh, butter was out of control eight weeks ago, but is proving to be fast company to cream and catching up and back up to two thousand nine hundred pounds now. That's a good price in this environment. Life's been good for SMP too, and that's been up again uh, this week too mozzarella's firming another positive but it needs to take a lesson out of cheddar's book and learn to be still and stable that's at 2900 still and demand for cheddar particularly mild and mature is really intense in fact many food service uh, cheese buyers will not be having peaceful easy feelings these days because <laughs> are, are so tight and that's more good news for the cheesemakers on the spot milk front, well, it's in the high 20s in England and Scotland, but I'm not sure what it is on the border or even over it in Wales. <laughs> uh, buyers don't like these prices. They don't like these prices at all, but they've got to get over it <laughs> because the reality is I think cheap bargain prices have already gone and current prices are here for the long run. <laughs> Uh, I can't tell you why markets have increased as much so quickly, but private storage has played a part. That's normally used as the last resort, but continues to help. For how long? I don't know. As many states, many countries in the EU have taken their allocations to the limit. <laughs> and tightening milk volumes have also contributed. So well done all those farmers who cut back. The relaxing of lockdown is boosting demand and there's more restaurant chains in the towns and in the city uh, being <laughs> opened. And hotels too, they're opening soon. For example, 
Hotel Arizona in America. <laughs> See where this Hotel is going. Wisconsin. And of course, everybody. <laughs> Three, two, one. Hotel, Hotel California. California. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get that one in there. So that's my summary this week, brought to all dairy farmers by me and the Kite Podcast team with the best of my love. Don't forget, <laughs> keep those pretty milking maids all in a row. Yes, I, I really, really hope that lockdown eases soon so that you can get out more, Chris Walkland. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant, Chris. <laughs> you can check out from that analogy, but you can never leave. Now, uh, farmers, of course, always talk about the weather, and we've gone from one of the wettest winters in living memory, which I can well and truly attest to, to a significant dry period. Now, it does seem that we're talking about these kinds of extremes in weather patterns more regularly. And of course, the last time we were talking about drought in any significant way was only a couple of years ago in 2018. So let's go back to that time briefly and think about the impacts of drought on farm. Joss, what were the general implications of drought on some of your clients back in 2018 in terms of feed and forage availability and perhaps also health and condition of herds? Yeah, thanks, Will. I think we must remember that the drought in 2018 came significantly later, perhaps four to five weeks later. Because of that, one of the key differences was that the maize had established, it, had generally, it generally went on and grew well, and it fared very well. Grass silage stocks, however, were down, but quality was generally pretty good. It therefore became a pretty expensive year in terms of feed cost. The straw price was sky high, so a lot of clients turned to soil hulls, wheat feed and barley to fill the gap. Once the diets were balanced, the cow was milked very well, um, particularly the winter months when cows were fully housed. Um, the grazing herds, I think they really suffered through the summer, lack of grass growth, um, and we did see quite a few cows getting dried off a month sooner than would be, um, would be expected. In terms of health, we were, we were absolutely fine as long as the diets were balanced. We must remember that one of the most inconsistent feeds we see on farm is actually grass silage. When it's, mm. it's great, but when it's bad, it's, it, it can be really bad. Mm. And um, having to reduce the amount we fed didn't generally cause issues to the cows. It just caused issues to the, uh, to the bank balance with rising feed costs. Mm. Um, Chris, can you take us back to the market situation in, in 2018 and um, I mean, how, how the drought then affected things? Well, the markets weren't really affected in 2018. Uh, 2018 was, was quite a good year and 10 of the 12 months were in the top 50 on, a, on an income basis, i.e. milk volumes times milk price. And, and the reason the markets weren't affected is because the milk price was good and the farmers kept buying in the feed to keep the cows fed and keep the cows milking. So the markets weren't affected. Okay, and turning to the financial implications on a farm level, Edward, what was the impact of drought in 2018 in terms of those rising costs and the impact that had on the bottom line for producers? Yeah, okay, uh, th thanks. Um, the the impact was 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 pretty marked. Um, the background to that year was that um, we'd had the, the dairy crisis in 2016, and costs had been uh, had, had reduced in that period. Um, but they 
they were they were uh, at increase in 20, uh, 2017. But when we got through to 2018, the cost of feed um, that Joss has described, um, you know, probably added around, well, it did add around two pence a litre um, to the cost of production. And, and we recorded that through our uh, through analysis of, of that financial year. So, you know, two pence a litre came on to that and it, and it's, uh, you know, did reduce profits, but not to a uh, not to a sort of a, a, a damaging degree for uh, for the average, and I'll say that for the average. I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, because milk price on average was uh, you know was relatively high. Um, you know the average price that we recorded for our group in that year was um, just over twenty nine pence, um, and we're, we're, we're the average isn't at that level um, at the moment. Um, but one of the key things to point out from twenty eighteen, and I think that's probably going to be true again uh, this year, was the range uh, and the and the range uh, and the variance of of how the effect of the drought um, impacted uh, different farms. Uh, you know, some farms were having to go out and buy you know huge proportions of their forage um, and uh, to to secure the forage that they they needed, whereas other farms were. Maybe they, they had good carryover stocks um, or it just happened to get rain at the right times um, and they went through relatively unscathed. So we did see a big variance you know, in, in financial performance that year. So clearly in 2020, we now have the added complication of COVID-19. Um, so let's turn to COVID um, in the context of the drought. How does COVID make the situation different, if at all, to the situation that producers faced in 2018? Who wants to start with this? Joss? Yeah, I think one of the real differences we're seeing out on farm is a is a real lack of moist feeds at present. Um, and what we do see available are, are very expensive. Um, we're not, um, you know, with brewer's grains would be a prime example. We, um, with pubs and restaurants closed down, alcohol consumption is down um, significantly, um, and the brewers' grains that are there are um, probably one and a half, twice the price as to what they would typically be at this time of year, and that's that's really meant that um, we've got limited options in terms of uh, buffering things out. The pleasing thing, however, is that um, some of the straights are now coming down in price. We saw an initial spike of uh, rape meal in particular. We saw some real availability issues day to day. But um, but now that things have, have settled down, feed prices are, um, are easing. Edward, do you want to come back on that? What about the situation from a, from a more general financials point of view? Yeah, I think that from a, you know the impact of, of, of COVID is probably on... Um, just a level of uncertainty, um, and also, I'm sure Chris will comment on, you know, on the on the market conditions. But um, one of the, th- the things that sh- which will will certainly impact people's decision about whether they're going to go out and, f- and feed or not um, is the, the sort of milk price feed price ratios, um, and whether uh, we use that as a as a clear indicator of whether there's that uh, that sort of balance between feed cost and, and milk price to um, you know to, to go out there buy an extra kilo of feed um, in order to support production, particularly when you. You need to go and buy that extra kilo of feed because you haven't got the um, the feed in the in in the field, um, and that's uh, at the moment because of the the, the range in it, it, you know milk price. This you know some at the bottom end of the the milk price range who are who are going to be you know severely challenged as to whether they're going to go out and uh, and and buy that extra kilo of of, of feed, um, and I think. You know, our forecast at the moment is overall average costs 
um, you know, could go back up um, by a penny and be, you know, getting up close to, uh, uh, you know, close to, to, to 30 pence, um, you know, sort of break even. And, and that is, you know, that's, that's going to be a, you know, a real challenge um, when you look at the variability of, uh, you know, of, of contract prices out there. Um, and, you know, so, so, and so I think potentially profits, you know, could be more affected this year than they were, you know, back in, you know, back in 2018. Because um, we we start off from a from a, from a different position. Mm. Okay, let's turn towards forage. Clearly, first cuts have been extremely dry, uh, and yields have been um, down for a lot of people. Joss, what is the impact of this on quality and quantity this year, and what's the likely impact on milk production? Yeah, I think it, in terms of the first cut analysis I've seen so far, uh, some excellent silage has been. Um, has been made. We've had a few people take second cuts, and the quality there looks um, again good. I don't think we're rushing. We're running into any issues with um, quality on the forage that have been made. The real issue is the quantity. Mm. Um, first cuts look light. Um, a lot of people quoting sixty to seventy percent. I think some of that will actually be offset because the cuts are dry. The analysis, you know, starting in the forties, where we'd typically be in the thirties. Um, I think there's there's more in the clamps than what some of the farmers actually think. The issue, however, if we look at the the regrowth after taking a silage cut and after grazing, you know, last week we probably had 65% growth compared to what we'd normally be getting. Um, May was down um, on growth, and it, it's really what happens next, isn't it? If it if it doesn't rain now, if you're not lucky to hit this localized rain now. People are um, people are going to run into some significant um, significant issues. We've got to start doing the forage budgets now. It's not something we'd traditionally be doing at this time of year. We wouldn't normally be panicking and thinking, "Start of June, let's start doing our forage budgets." Mm-hmm. But I think we've got to um, we've got to do them now. Uh, the lack of rain. I spoke to a farmer yesterday. He's in that his whole crop barley is going to be ready in a fortnight. So if pe- if people um, if people haven't done their forage budgets, and actually, you know, whole crop barley is a fantastic feed. It's going to be not it's not stupidly priced, actually, I don't think, this year, the way the barley price has come back. So get the forage budgets done and let's, um, and let's see if we can make use of some of the, um, some of the barley, perhaps, as a whole crop. Okay. Uh, and mo- moving on from that, what about other impacts of drought, such as the availability of straw, uh, especially if people do a lot of whole crop or, or heat stress? What are we expecting to see on farm in the coming weeks with that? Yeah, I think the straw situation wasn't looking fantastic even before the uh, yeah. even before the drought hit. If we if we if we go back in time and we look at the the other extreme in terms of weather pattern was we we, we had an extremely wet winter and a wet autumn. You know, we had um, people really struggling to get those winter crops in the ground. A lot of I think we're looking at one of the lowest um, lowest amounts of wheat produced in the in the UK for for years, and that's because they couldn't get the winter wheat in. Mm. Crops went in, you know, they they managed to get the spring crops in, but spring crops won't yield in terms of straw what those winter crops would have traditionally um, traditionally done. So, I I think it's very difficult to to see the straw price holding where it is. I can't see it doing anything other than uh, than climbing, and actually, it'd be pretty sensible to. Uh, to be trying to take some cover on that now, or fill some barns now, if you've um, if you've got the space, or if you've got the if you've got the requirement for it. Mm. You take that on into um, heat stress. Heat stress is something we see year in year out in the UK. I think the difference this year is that we're perhaps going to see more of it because we've had the um, I think it was quoted as the sunniest May on record. 
Um, we've seen quite a lot of heat stress in May, which we perhaps wouldn't traditionally see. And there's still plenty of time for, for more heat stress to uh, come. Short term, we see the typical drop-off in yields. We see the butterfat reductions. The medium to longer term issue I, uh, that I always see that always bites is the, uh, is the fertility. We see um, consistent drop-offs in, uh, in fertility where heat stress affects. And actually, you know, typically that, that can affect for five, six weeks through the year. Whereas this summer, the way things are shaping up, it could be, uh, we could have a real lasting effect. Thanks for that, Joss. That was great. Um, we're now going to focus on the potential financial implications of a drought situation, specifically this year. I mean, last week, John was talking about contracts. Um, and as, as we were alluding to earlier on, this disparity between, between different farms, but in that case, the disparity between different contracts and the impact that this might have on a farm level. And it would, so if your cost of production is set to increase generally um, in a drought situation, what are the potential financial implications for farmers on different contracts this year? You know, it's potentially um, massive when you look at you know where the where market prices are at the moment. You've got rate, you know contracts, particularly when you take sort of you know B prices into account. You know down at um, in the you know around twenty p right up to uh, you know aligned and supermarket contracts at you know at over thirty pence. So you've got a big a big range in in situations there, and there and there. You know, to some degree, you know, spread across the country. So uh, potentially, they can all be affected by um, they can all be affected by the by the drought, but their their price point is a is is different. So I think that the the main point is that they um, if they're going to respond, you know, if they're going to try and you know meet the challenges of the drought, you know, look for additional feed, etc. Obviously, that puts pressure on cash flow, and it's really it's the, it's the cash flow implications that um, then start to, to to bite because your uh, you know cash is always is always a key uh, driver both of, of how a business a business performs, um, but also the, the sentiment and and sort of the you know the, the the I guess the mental pressure also on you know on the farmers involved um, because it's it's though it's that cash flow pressure when you're trying to pay bills pay you know pay um, suppliers etc keep good relationships it's that part that uh, you know really takes you know can take its toll. Okay, Chris, can we um, just briefly go further afield and look at how the weather in other parts of the world is impacting? impacting the market because it's by no means just the uk that's been suffering from dry conditions is it uh no we're not unique most of europe is uh, is suffering from drought further east in the likes of Romania, i think they're having their uh, their worst drought for 100 years in germany and france they're very dry too and although the figures aren't the production figures aren't in for april in france and germany the eu's two big states they did drop like a stone in March and when the crisis came along some of the European farmers unions were calling for a milk reduction scheme uh, instead of private storage well actually we haven't really needed a formal political milk reduction scheme because the weather's done the job for us mm-hmm. further afield it's hard to know what the Americans are going to do they seem to be living on planet Zog when it comes to production and whatever happens they they carry on producing more and more and it's too early to say in in uh, the southern hemisphere because June's the the start of the year and the lowest month of the calendar year. Mm. Okay, well that's all we have time for. Many thanks to Josh Fawcett, Edward Lott, and Chris Walkland for coming on the show today. And we hope all this talk about drought will mean that we now definitely get some rain. And if you are currently getting some rain, remember that you owe John Allen a beer.
<laughs> and I'm also very jealous. <laughs> Thank you, everyone of you, for listening. If you found this episode on Twitter, please give it a retweet so that other members of Team Dairy can get involved. For now, though, it's goodbye from Will, Chris, me, and the Kite team. And we'll look forward to you joining us again next week on the Kite Podcast 2020. <laughs>